Welcome to Grit, Guts, and Determination, the Leadville Race Series podcast. I'm your host, Cole Clover, son of race founder, Ken Clover. And I'm going to take you on a journey of rich storytelling through our now 40-year rich history. And I invite you to sit back and listen to these eccentric stories. But don't forget to take a few notes along the way because these eccentric stories are going to have tricks and tips to get you to that line come summer. So sit back, enjoy, and then we'll see you at home. We'll see you in Leadville. To say my next guest sticks out in a crowd is not an exaggeration as he stands over 6'6 with dreadlocks halfway down his back. If you've been a part of the Leadville Race Series mountain bike family for any amount of time, chances are you know my next guest of Garth Prosser. And boy, is it an episode that is surely not to disappoint. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. We have a saying in Leadville, you don't find Leadville, Leadville finds you. So, Garth, when did Leadville find you? I have to think really hard because it's been so long now. It's been a minute. I think it predated the internet. Um, (laughs) So I remember reading an article with John Stamstead, another Ohio native, who was talking about this crazy 100-mile race. And I hadn't even ridden 100 miles on my road bike at that point in life. I was like, man, it's all high, no oxygen. I want to do that. (laughs) And then I remembered that I'd driven through Leadville in the early 90s going over to Preston Butte to ski I was like, man, there's nothing up there. (laughs) There's just an old ghost town because I drove through in the middle of winter and I didn't see a single person on the trip through town. So I think that had to be like 98, maybe 97. I don't know. I I mean, that even predates the first ATM. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. Certainly cell phones. Well, okay, before we have too much fun or dig too deep, unfortunately, i got to pay a little homage to a little issue that has arisen. Um, right now, you're not too hard to track down because you uh gotten a little tangle with the car. So I'd love to hear about that experience and, and remind our Leadville family about how how it's always easy to... To not see that car coming, but especially this time of year. Yeah, so uh, start off, I'm a defensive rider. I will stop even if I don't have to because I think it was my wife who said this, even though she doesn't remember. doesn't matter how right you are, you're still dead. So <laughs> I will let them go and... This one I saw coming, and she stopped. And I had no... And all of a sudden, she just floored it. And there was nothing I could do. I grabbed all the brake and still hit her broadside. And according to Garmin, it was 25 to zero. So uh, full daylight, running headlights, 
six three, wearing all red like a skinny Santa Claus. She just, I don't know. I don't know what she was thinking. So, uh, yeah, cracks all over my pelvis and sacrum, elbow, wrist, knee, uh, no weight bearing for four weeks. <laughs> so that's been a lot of fun. Well, yeah, no, I've tried to tried to catch up with you a few times here, and I mean, it's I've caught you at every doctor appointment and trying to maneuver to PT appointments, and it it seems like it's really been a journey. Um, but we're glad to, to to still have you with us. Um, and as long as the list sounds, I mean, I'm at least glad to know you're moving and and getting back on your way. What are you doing right? What are you able to do right now? I've been uh, going to my local rec center on crutches and trying to get cardio in with my upper body, which is a strange thing. Um, it's hard to get the heart rate up without your legs. Yes. So that's 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 literally been it and i'm just now off the crutches uh as of last week and uh walking with a limp but i'm walking so so uh, yeah uh, part of you is like wow if i had just stopped to look at the mushrooms on the side of the trail i wouldn't have had this problem but party is like well i could be worse so, yeah, you could have stopped to look at the mushrooms on the side of the trail and she could have come catapulting off the road onto you. So, you know, I don't th don't think you should beat yourself up too hard on that. There's way too many what ifs in life. Um, but, you know, do you are they giving you any timelines or have you tried to set any with yourself with the movement you're getting or what do you think that's going to look like? Um, my main ortho told me if I could sit on my sit bones now, start the recumbent bike, uh, at, you know, little to no resistance, which I found out recumbent bikes don't apparently have much resistance built in because I couldn't tell the difference between one and 10 yesterday. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I did manage to sweat a little there. Um, but I will tell everybody this multiple opinions are important. We'll touch on that later too. But in this case, I went to one hip specialist and he simply said, I want you to come back and see me February 22nd, which was four weeks from when I saw him. And it would have been six weeks into this journey with nothing, no, PT prescription, no, like, hey, hit the upper body, hey, do this, work on your breathing, here's what you should stay away from, clean, you know, my diet's clean anyway, but he uh -huh. offered nothing. Fortunately, I have a friend who's an ortho who's also a cyclist, and he said, hey, if you can get into the gym, by all means, get your heart rate up. I also ride with an endocrinologist researcher from OSU, and he said, uh, you want to get that heart rate up every day somehow so i've focused on breathing work and cardio through the upper body but always get several opinions because one guy might have you laying on your back for six weeks and that's not healthy well and that's a good thing to bring up i mean your your kind of career was uh 
also involved with this industry for a good bit of time, right? And you've made a lot of these connections and and are smart enough to get these opinions. Um, yeah, that's just great advice. Um, yeah, you definitely need to keep the blood flowing to increase your rate of healing. And um, I guess it could also be said that it's it's the region I call home. They tend to give people what they want, and people here just want to lay around and take a pill and get better. And sometimes, sometimes that's not the answer. So you you really need to seek out what's going to work, and uh, without being too aggressive, which I don't think you're going to find a doc who's too aggressive with treatment, but also with out being super conservative, you know, and just, hey, lay around and eat and do nothing. I mean, I can't imagine the edema I would see in my legs if I just laid on the couch all day. Well, yeah, right. Even even my father just went through this rotator cuff surgery at the same time you've been dealing with this. And they even had him at his age in PT like the next two days, uh, you know, that they were starting it. So I can't imagine um, being told just to come back several, you know, weeks later, a month later, and uh, we'll see where you're at. Yes. And then that's another good thing. I've always heard, you know, interviews and podcasts with you, you know, from earlier in your career and I'd like to talk about your athletics. You've always been opposed to staying on that couch. You've always wanted to be out and active, as far as I know. Um, why don't you tell our Leadville family when athletics started for you and how it started for you? I, uh, I grew up in the country on a farm, and uh, I... I wouldn't say I struggled with my weight as a kid, but my genes were stamped with an H. Anybody who's over 45 will remember that. <laughs> I was just a big kid genetically, and I I felt stuffed, like slow. So, and my my football coach told me, "You're a little fat ass. You need to run this summer." <laughs> Between eighth grade and my freshman year, I was like, oh, maybe I do. I am one of the slower kids, but I was alignment. So I just started running everywhere I went on, on our farms. Like, I wouldn't take a car from one place to another. I'd just run. And it might take me a second to get there, but I just ran. And that was the beginning of it. I shed all this weight, but I never went to competitive track or cross country until I was a senior when somebody saw me out running from the cross country team and said, why aren't you running? And I said, I am running. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that was it. I just started running competitively then. Well, okay. So you're, you and your opinion are a little chunky or in your coach's opinion, and then you just start running. Um, was it a hard adaptation or is it, did it, did you just put yourself in motion and it just hasn't stopped? Yeah, that was it because I wasn't running against a clock or anything. I was just putting one foot in front of the other and I'm sure it got pretty slow running across 
cow pastures and through streams and the great mad river that splits the valley I grew up in. <laughs> it's just, you just keep going. And, you know, that's the great thing about running is you, it's, as long as you can move your foot, yeah, you're going pretty slow. Some of those guys are, are technically walking, but they call it running, so that's fine. I'm sure I was technically walking some in those hills, but as long as you're putting one foot in front of the other, you're still getting somewhere. Well, yeah, for sure, and I, I think you're being a, a little bit too hard on yourself because I don't think there were many people on that cross-country team at OSU that were walking, so... You, you know, I'm, I'm sure you figured it out. <laughs> um, now, but now most of our family know you as a biker. I've known you over, you know, two decades at this point, And you've, you know, had your pro card longer than I've known most of our other athletes, run or bike. Um, what has that experience been like? I don't really, you know, it doesn't really come to the front of my mind a lot of like, what's the difference in what I'm racing categorized because, you know, when they still had all those categories, I don't even know what cross country looks like anymore as far as the mountain bike goes. I, I, you know, I know they have it like dialed down to an hour and a half for the pros at the UCI level. I haven't touched one of those races in... 10 plus years, <laughs> so, you know, it, and what we do at Leadville and that sort of thing, Shenandoah, the long stuff, it's just, you know, boys versus girls at your age group and that's it, or not even at your age group. So the pro thing, I just kind of, I don't even, I mean, I haven't had a license in years because I don't do that kind of racing. <laughs> I had a little bit of a tiff with uh, the way the USA Cycling tried to run things and, and chase the dollar and add what they called marathon, which was uh -huh. a lame attempt at doing what Leadville and Shenandoah and Cascade Cream Puff, those kind of races had already done. And I was like, I'm not giving you money for a license anymore. <laughs> There's just no point in it because the races I wanted to do didn't require a card. And why should I give you $85 a year for nothing when they didn't send anyone out to the races to cover them even, you know, like a referee or anything? Oh, yeah. Boy, I remember, you know, the, the the whole entity there, even from our side, having to pay in for insurance and stuff, but it really wasn't benefiting anything we were doing and we weren't getting points. And, oh, yeah, it just seemed like we had the same mess on our hands. So uh, it's good to hear that the pain came from both sides. Misery loves company sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well and now in the in the two decades you've had two really good sponsors at least um and and you know have been with each of them pretty good amount of time do you want to talk about uh starting your career with Cannondale and where you're at today with Specialized yeah uh Cannondale was really like they had the Sobe program back in the early aughts you know, I'm not sure when it started, but 
that was back when we had a lot of grassroots teams and you could get on one and move up. And uh, Cannondale was great for that. I think the Sobe uh, sponsorship along with Cannondale was the biggest grassroots team. They, we were the ones that had our own jerseys and bikes. You know, a lot of guys would get nothing or a standard generic jersey that said the bike company name. Uh-huh. We had a guy named Matt Jewett that ran it all at Cannondale and he was just amazing at getting sponsors. And, uh, once you got on that, like it really uh, it pumped you up to race. I know I got a lot more focused cause I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to make sure I was worthy of it. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was just an amazing opportunity for us. And Shimano was along for sponsorship for, for parts. We had great wheels different times um there was always there was always everything you needed i mean glasses helmets gloves all of it and and i was just like wow this is so cool (laughs) and you moved your way up and then i kind of drifted into the endurance side of it and that's when the pro car thing became like whatever man i don't have a license <laughs> and i drifted away from usac racing and short stuff and into more focused strictly on the stage races around the country and south africa we did the case the second cape epic i think and la Ruta. but yeah great and they always backed you up and then they they went through some financial hard times over there and they kind of dissolved dissolved that team and mixed it in with Cannondale factory racing out of Europe. And that was really cool. The clothes were a different level, like stuff you couldn't even buy. It was, it was tight. <clears throat> and then that went away too, because the, uh, they were still dealing with some financial hardships and the new owners didn't want to pay for racing, I guess. And a, a lot of, a lot of companies went away from that. I was just fortunate enough to uh, have a good bike shop contact here with a really big specialized seller. And they were like, hey, come on in, man. So in 2012, I started fully racing for them, not at the UCI level again or the, hey, we're going to you know, make this a career, but at the, uh, well, none of it is really for my medicine <laughs> racing, right? But hey, I got my hobby paid for and I was pretty happy for that. And they do make amazing bikes as specialized. And I'm just kind of stuck around with them ever since at some level. Uh, you know, things have changed for me. I've gotten older, I've been through some slowdowns in my life now. But I still like having them around and apparently they're cool with me. Well, I'd say so. I mean, you know, I'm a, a one trick pony doing Leadville each year. Um, how many races are on your docket in a typical year when you're doing like, you know, you have moved away from these shorter races. It's been almost these, you know, well over a decade. Uh, what are some of your other bigger favorites? Well, my first big long race that I always say was that the drug that got me hooked was Shenandoah in Virginia. And Chris Scott puts on an amazing race. <laughs> That's another one. I got a flyer stuck under my windshield wiper at an Urban National down in West Virginia <laughs> at Snowshoe. And I was like, hey, there's one of these 100 milers in 
you know, after I knew about Leadville, but I, it was it was hard to find things out for the internet. So uh-huh. I knew about it, but I I didn't know, you know, when I was going to get out there and do it. I'd never ridden a mountain bike in Colorado at that point. <laughs> so in 2000, I got that flyer. And so Labor Day weekend, I went to the Shenandoah Valley outside of Harrisonburg, Virginia, and did my first 100-miler. And that's always been one that, is probably one of my favorites it's it's just got a nice mix of everything it's a great scene it's a little private campground out in the woods it's got everything you want from hot showers to hot food and chris just takes care of you plus it, it helped that i finished in the top 10 so that really <laughs> that got me hooked on i was like hey i can handle bad spot in a race here and still still be competitive whereas if these two-hour races and then you, you drop a chain or something it's it's hard to get back on so, <laughs> oh yeah that's one of them and then uh, another a guy who's become a really good friend of mine is todd branham in north carolina puts on a great bunch of races and they're all kind of back country. You know, you disappear and you don't see anybody except at the aid stations until you get back to the finish. Those are always super high quality stuff. Well, that's awesome. Then I'd like to address something else too. Um, gravel is a fairly new thing <clears throat> to our, a lot of our racers and listeners, but you've been doing the gravel thing for you know, well over a decade, probably more like 15 years. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, you don't even own a gravel bike, do you? No, I've never owned one, man. I, uh, you know, when gravel kind of started, people were doing them on, a lot of people were doing them on cross bikes. And the gearing on a cross bike back then was a uh, 36 46 front end <laughs> and it looks with a standard like maybe a 12 25 cassette or something uh-huh. so the gearing was oh just i mean it was really hard on some of those there's the gravel races they were harder back then they were almost mountain bike races yeah the hilly billy Roubaix in west virginia which sadly is no more i think they did 11 runnings and then COVID hit and they just never brought it back that was an amazing race, but it was not, in my opinion, for my legs, <laughs> for doing on a cross bike with those gears. That said, I didn't have a cross bike at one point, and I was like, I can just do this on my hardtail Cannondale with my lefty fork, and it only weighed, like, I don't know, 18 pounds with some small tires. So it was comparable to to anything you get now i know people are running super light bikes but a lot of these gravel bikes are still 18 pounds or more and then i switched over to specialized and i was like i'm not doing cross anymore i'm not gonna ask for a cross bike i'll just keep riding on my heart tail and you know for a while i was still doing i was still competitive <laughs> now i'm older but um gravel bikes popped up Right around the time I wasn't really focusing on racing, I was worried about living. Uh, so I, I just never even got into one. <laughs> it was like, where's your gravel bike? And I'm like, I had just as much fun on my mountain bike. <laughs> you know, not to say that, you know, there's people that love them, but I, I feel like it's not holding me back a whole lot. 
Well, no, it's obviously not. You found a lot of success there. Uh, how did you do anything else? What was your preferred setup? Did you only change wheels? Did you change bars at all? Did you, you did you get the stack height different? Sometimes I mess with the stem a little, but I found that it was easier just not to worry about it. And I would change tires. There were times like early on at Unbound when it had a different name, like the very first year, oh. I did run a 26 inch hardtail that year. Oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. That was... All I had it was 2006 <laughs> or something. I was second. I don't know. It wasn't a lot of people, but hey, that's not that. <laughs> no, that's no, that's incredible. And it was still like, what do you think your tire size was out there? I know I was running a some kind of lightweight Kenda mountain bike tire at the time, and uh, it, it was I flatted. It wasn't really, but but I fixed it, and I think I had one flat that day, which I've had more flats on cross tires out there than that. So it wasn't wasn't that upset. I you know was I think there was thirty people at that race, and as long as it took me to fix it, I didn't see any other riders come by. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't. I didn't. It wasn't like they were catching me, and I was in a rush. I took my time, uh, just because it was so spread out that day, and none of us knew what to expect. But I do switch. There was a time when I switched some rotors out and tried to get things lighter. But once the advent of gravel-specific tires came around, that was a game changer because cross tires really aren't aren't great. I mean, they're just not made for hitting those large chunks of rock. Right. Also, gravel. I think gravel's gotten a lot easier back in the early days at like three peaks in North Carolina and uh, Iron Cross, which has moved, but it's still in Eastern PA. Those were, those were the same as early mountain bike races from the mid nineties. <laughs> like you might hit a goat path or a walking path and then some double track and then some fire roads and then maybe some country roads. Uh, now you don't, you don't even see it at Unbound anymore. They used to mix in a lot of B roads that were just unpassable if it rained. And now I feel like the course is all on well-maintained gravel. You know what I mean? It's just a yeah. lot. I see some of the old swamp roads we used to ride on and we go right by them now. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I remember when that road was a foot of peanut butter. I guess we're not riding it anymore, which is kind of cool. I don't want to trash my stuff. <laughs> well, we even did that with Leadville. We took it off of Bus Creek and and you talk about, you know, the courses being harder than or, you know, more of the gravel courses being like uh, mountain bike courses. Well, so what were you running at Leadville at the time? Were you running the same tires at, as you were at uh, Unbound? Oh, no. I always went heavier with Leadville because the speeds at which, which you'd hit those rocks on those downhills mm -hmm. were, were – and that's that's what got me this last year. I had a bit of a tough start. I, my gut felt hot. I don't know why I couldn't get anything down. Uh -huh. And then after after pipeline on the return, I started feeling really good. I was eating, 
and I was just letting it fly. And I knew coming down uh, down to 105A, and that, what is that, Turquoise Pass Road, or what, the one that goes over to Basalt. Yeah, Hagerman. Yeah, well, coming down to that, uh-huh. hit that water bar and just destroyed my rear tire. Oh. <laughs> it was a huge, like, razor-sharp rock, and I was like, ah. <laughs> so I wish I had gone with a heavier tire this year, but I and I knew it was pretty washed out. People had warned me, so whatever. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, the, the setbacks. You never, can... light <laughs> you never want to go with a cross country. A UCI cross country tire is not good for lead bill. <laughs> well, and then did you ever, being a bigger guy, which I don't have to face that challenge, did you have sidewall issues in Leadville ever? Um, I've only ever had three flats at Leadville. In all my all my training and all my races, so it's nineteen races plus how many ever times I've gone up there ahead of the race to ride parts of the course or the whole course. Okay, <laughs> so it's not. It, yeah, it's not. It's not a, a a sharp course. Well, especially I don't I don't downhill it on some of those downhills. Like my speed, like some of those guys are just amazing downhillers, and they'll usually pass me on the way outbound. Um, but I always get a little more cautious there because I don't want to flat that early in the race. Right. So that part, but I, yeah, I just don't find that it's a, it, the rocks there seem pretty smooth, except this year there's been, there's been some more grading on it. So some of those sharp rocks are turning up again, uh-huh. but you don't want to go too heavy. You don't want to go too light. Well, yeah, but I think I, You've had a great recommendation on telling everybody to go a little heavier. <laughs> so that's for sure the way to lean. And uh, the track record of your flats out there helps prove that, I think. Yes. Well, and then so now switching to a different type of fight. You know, it's 2015. You've had all these successful years of biking. Um, you're you're in a lottery for Leadville and I get a call from you and you're in a cancer fight and and that was real scary for us all. I would love to tell you to tell us about that time in your life and also what kept you going through that period. Um there was one guy in particular, you. <laughs> <laughs> Something you said to me on that call that day about um, keeping the carrot in front of me, because <laughs> you said, "Look, we can we can obviously get you out. You're that's that's the real shitty circumstance. Um, but why don't you just keep your name in the in the on the start list and." Uh, and have that out there and something to focus on when everything else is kind of out of your control, you know? Yeah. Um, God, I fuck. <laughs> uh, this one's um, got us both a little choked up, Garth. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I talked to you, uh, like, on this week, I was getting ready to start radiation <laughs> and I, fuck 
<laughs> wow, I haven't been this. Uh, <laughs> I haven't felt this for a while. I I I'm pretty good at crushing this. I'm, I'm beating it back when it comes to the forefront of my mind. I'll sit in the parking lot of the James, and uh, they were lining me up, getting ready to line me up for radiation. And I called you because <laughs> I was there like, I don't know. I don't remember whether we tied to him or sitting in the parking lot and looking at the sticker in front of me that said 9A. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. I think, we're, I, think I was complaining about people smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Actually, you were. <laughs> Fucking cancer hospital. People downstairs smoking cigarettes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was you, dude. Well, <laughs> um, you're the one that told me to stay. You're like, I want you to stay on this, stay on this list. And, uh, you know, again, this comes back to it. I'm throw this in there. Multiple opinions. If I had gone to the first hospital I went to just because I got in there right away, uh, they were recommending a lot of surgeries. <laughs> And I went all over the country, places I had connections, and the progressive hospitals all said, no, 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 we, we treat that thing first and we see what happens. And in the end, uh, it died. It, it just died. Uh, chemo, radiation, a clean, clean living. Like, I didn't have a drop of alcohol. I didn't need anything processed. Everything was like real, like leaves or seeds or nuts. Um, yeah, uh, something killed it. <laughs> I also kept, you know, I, I I kept the heart rate up every day because was I couldn't ride my bike anymore. So I went to hot yoga classes where you were sweating your ass off and your heart rate was up. Uh, and and the whole time I was I wasn't thinking about riding my bike. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't thinking about Leadville. But when I wasn't in that class, I was thinking, man, can I still like I. I knew I'd be able to go out there and finish it. I just didn't know how long it'd take me. <laughs> well, and this is God. What a these are painful memories, but these are memories that far too many of our family members are going through. Like you said, we're getting older. You know, especially with men, if you're, you know, you grow old enough, you're going to get pancreatic cancer. You know, all these other things, but. And you give me too much credit. Uh, the the big thing I really want people to know is, you know, your will, your attitude, boy, how that really kept you through that too, and, and how much we talked. And, you know, I just, I think people need to hear that and your advice about multiple uh, opinions. I don't think that's happening enough today. So I think this is a very important topic. Um, my next question is, how are you today? And, and like you've said, we know that we know that it died and we are going to celebrate that every damn day until we're both gone. Um, we, we've covered car wrecks. We've covered cancer, uh, you know, but we also cover all the good things. You've had this real yin and yang luck going on and 
you know, that's the Leadville way. That's the magical Leadville. That's the putting one foot in front of the other. And, and you're a real pro at that. And, and so I really love how engaging you are on this and, and how you're, you're feeding this want with me to help these others. So, you know, I just can't, can't say enough there and it's worth a little extra pause. Um, now we get past, but we can get past the harder ones like the cancer and getting hit by cars and by God, you're still a pain in my ass in 2019. Well, shit, I got another call from you in 2019 and you're in Breckenridge and you're in the back of an ambulance and you know, I'm scared enough. And then you send me this horrible picture of this freak accident of your crank brother's pedal just splitting your calf muscle and all I can see is the muscle. <laughs> Tell me about that day or <laughs> and then that wasn't even the first time you had that same accident, right? No, uh well it never I it wasn't a slice. I don't even, I can't even describe it. I have no idea how it happened. It, I think I came out of the pedal in a rock garden. I went to reinsert my foot and missed. And I kicked the end of that pedal with my shin. And I think it was right at the edge of the bone, like the tibia. Yeah, and on the and back. It, it, and it just, yeah, my foot just kind of went for And it was enough of a split to just... Once it started, it just ran. <laughs> and it was, what, 10 inches up and down my leg. Oh, at least, yeah. The muscle, it just went, <laughs> it just like dissected, clipped right in between the muscle and the bone. <laughs> and you could see all the way in there. <laughs> I didn't think it was anything. I, I, I was still rolling. I didn't stop. Um, and I put my, got my foot back in the pedal and I was like, oh man, that's going to leave a bruise. That's right out there. It's not going to hurt anything. And then it felt really cold. And I looked down and I was standing with the pedals perpendicular and the right foot was forward and flexed. And I could see through my leg almost oh. all the way. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my asshole pucker factor was hot. <laughs> And that's when I lost it. I was like, oh, God. So I was up above Breckenridge, and I was like, oh, if I just cut through this little open meadow, I'll be on a fire road, and I can descend down to town. And that's what I held my leg up as high as I could in the back and just rolled down. But the ER doc said she didn't think it would be a good idea if I tried to do Leadville five days later. So I didn't do Leadville. Well, and, and you disagreed, but I agree with the doctor, still do. Uh, now, have you had any other DNSs or DNFs in Leadville from injury or otherwise? And how? No. Okay. I know it was 2010, I think. There was a something went through town. We all got something. I don't know if it was that now defunct Mexican restaurant where we all ate. My buddy had it Friday, just mad diarrhea all day long. <laughs> Mine didn't set in until Saturday morning, the race, and I felt bloated, and I went out and raced, and I got two 
maybe one switch backup Columbine, and it was like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that day was epic. It took me <laughs> double the time to go from from Twin Lakes back to Twin Lakes that it normally takes me because I was in the woods. But by the time I got back to Twin Lakes, I was pretty empty. <laughs> so I just pedaled in. And I stopped at A Station 5 and killed a whole watermelon and was rehydrated again. <laughs> that was the closest I've come right there. That was a 10-hour day. But I finished feeling like a champ. <laughs> I couldn't ride hard. I didn't want to stain my chamois. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you've, you've had plenty of 7- and 8-hour days, too. So, I mean, what... What was that mentally like for you just to have to stay out there that amount of time? At first, it was really hard because I couldn't. I was like, what is wrong? Why is my chamois so tight? I didn't gain all this weight. It was terrible bloating in my gut. I was just that water retention in my in my gut was was insane. Like I looked pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I had to keep pulling my chamois out because I felt like all this pressure. But then once I figured like, hey, it's just not my day today, made peace with it and I was like, you know what? I'm still gonna finish this thing and a lot of people are suffering just to finish it. So I'm I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> Revel in the fact that I can still finish it and stop and eat a bunch of watermelon and joke about my predicament <laughs> <laughs> with the aid station workers. And I did that again this year because of the flat tire up at the aid station at the beginning of, uh, at the end of Turquoise Lake up there when you get off the road. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to sit down and wait for some friends to come along and ride in with them. <laughs> Well, you now, know, I thought that friend would be you, but unfortunately, my buddy from Oregon came through and talked me into going with him. Oh, yeah, no, all day I thought I was on a nine hour time going like hell. Came through the finish with Ty, who was actually way ahead of me because of the, you know, the, the corrals this year. And then I went to the hospital because I wasn't in shape to ride 100 miles. So. Yeah, here I was looking for you to celebrate, and I couldn't find you. Yeah, no, you're way ahead of me and home and done, and I was at the hospital. So, <laughs> Well, and, and so you yourself, you found Leadville, started Leadville at age 31. Today you're 20 years older and sitting on 19 finishes. I would Great. love to hear about some of your, you know, your experiences. What was it like in those first years as opposed to what your experience was last year? That first year when you don't know anything, uh, and I'm talking, I, yeah, I hadn't seen pictures of the course except in magazines, all the write-up that what used to send out that, 25 page booklet that talked about the course and 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 it it seemed so daunting not seeing it i had a backpack that probably had 15 pounds of food and water and jackets <laughs> and then you do the race once and you realize well you're out there but there's always support and as the race has grown there's support everywhere now this is a point like Okay, I always had this thing after I finished the 
the gravel part before you drop into Twin Lakes, there's that pavement at the Twin Lakes development. Uh-huh. Nice and smooth and long, and you can just fly through the top, hit the pavement, and and uh, take your first pee of the day on the downhill. <laughs> now it's lined with people. <laughs> Homeowners even, yeah. <laughs> so I had to reevaluate some things and make some changes. And also sometimes just, you know, hey, I'm racing for seconds. I'm just going to let it fly. <laughs> That's one thing that's certainly changed. I mean, I've I've had times where I've been so happy that that's the way it is because I miss a feed because it's crowded and I people see me coming through an aid station and I'll hear my name and ask if they need anything. So I'm that's really cool because you did used to feel pretty desolate out there <laughs> in some of those spots. You're like, man, I'm out here. Well, unfortunately, too, the pine beetle and the fires have killed everything off, so you can see the highway most of the time off to your left, and then right when you're coming back, you're like, oh, okay, here I am, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I guess that's very true, isn't it? Soberingly true. I don't like how hot it got. The trees are gone now. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't like it either, but my my hospital bill liked it. Well, and then so what are some of your more, some of your other more memorable race experiences out there on the Leadville course in all those decades? Hmm. Hey, we can put a cut in here because I got to think. <laughs> <laughs> you can splice that out, right? Well, yeah, but I'm not going to. You just keep going. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, man. They all just kind of blend together. Uh gosh. Well, but I mean that son was a the first year my son was there, he was uh, you know, just a handful of months old and my wife's trying to crew for me. <laughs> and she was so worried about it. And I was like, you know, by that time I was like, Hey, I'm not winning this thing, don't stress about it. <laughs> I'm just, you know, if it takes an extra 30 seconds to get me a bottle, I'll slow down and find you. But just seeing him there that year, seeing all my friends now, most of the memories now are from recent years. It's just you see those people, you're like, oh, man, they'll tell you, oh, we raced together back in the early days. And now they're crewing for their kid or their wife. Uh, Dave Weens and I bouncing our tires off the back of the cop car at the start line because the the police used to go so slow on the rollout. And then starting, I want to say when Lance showed up, he was like, I want you to drop that thing. And all of a sudden we're going 35 miles an hour out of town. Well, yeah, my dad used to get so pissed off when it wouldn't go slow. And then Lance came to town and giddy up. That thing was off to the races. Yeah, uh, some of my scarier moments (laughs) have been around that start since the race got so big. I mean, there's some riders up there that, you know, they're they're slinging D's back home in their, you know, millionaire world's rides on on the weeknights around whatever town they're from. 
But they can't go around a corner to save their life. <laughs> and you hear them in that first turn. You're like, oh, God, my life's in someone else's hands. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? In the last five years, that's when I sit up a little bit. So you know what? It's too short. I'll get back on. <laughs> I'm just going to chill out right here. Yeah. I'm not knock on wood during that race i've put it down a few times but it's never been bad it's usually down power line at the bottom where it gets all sandy and, and well that's i'd say I that's just, pretty bad garth really <laughs> <laughs> clear at the bottom two times clear at the bottom i've laid it down had a nice you know bloodline running down my leg but it's, it's nothing really what you know you, it doesn't even slow you down. Well, that's a fast section. I don't know. I've laid it down in the switchbacks on Columbine. That's like zero speed at all. So, no, I mean like where I I get to the switchback, roll off my bike, and then I'm back up on my bike going the other way. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's been a lot less than, than what you're explaining for sure. Well, and we're talking to Rex and this stuff, you know, that's very important for some people talking about the start. With all of your experience, what do you think advice will help your Leadville family the best get to that line come August? Which of those do you think is probably the most important piece of advice they could take away if you could only offer them one? Chill the fuck out. <laughs> that's that's a very good one. People try and win that race in the first 20 minutes. And there's five guys that can win that race in the first 20 minutes and not even them. Right. You can lose it, but I don't think you're going to win it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And these people, I've seen it starting at the front every year. I've been fortunate enough that, like, back in the old days, you know, we'd get up at 3 a.m walk our bikes out there and put them on the start line so we could be up front. And then as time went on, I was again, fortunate enough to have that front corral or front row spot. And I'm getting down to that first right hander. And these guys are coming up on you and you just look over and go, man, I don't think you know who I am, but I'm going to beat you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what's going to happen, dude. So, don't take my wheel out. And I've had to say that to a few people. Um, you know, you can tell who they are. Uh, so don't worry about it at the beginning. You got eight hours to sort it out if you're fast and lucky or 10 to 12 if you're not. So don't try and win it at the beginning because you're just going to lose it. And don't get frustrated, you know. If you're behind a few people, take your time and pick your line and don't be dangerous. Because uh, if you take somebody else out, there's a good chance they're going to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you're just not going to get up either. And uh, Yeah, that's, that can happen. I mean, we've seen it, unfortunately, more lately in racing. Uh, mm -hmm. They've had to put that bike in the woods at a few races, and it scares me. Uh, you know, I don't know the reason for all of them, but uh, it could be any of us, you know. A oh, stick sure. is your own. I got thrown into the woods this fall, and it was just like, oh my God, <laughs> just hit a rock into the leaves, and it flipped me out. And I, you know, I caught a tree, no big deal, but it could have been a big deal. Oh, so yeah. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just more cautious now. Well, I, I think that happens to all of us. I don't think that's a bad thing. And, you know, I, I think that's very good advice on the chilling out. And, you know, you those people it, that you can lose it, you can. And a lot of those people, you know, they start at, you know, 11, 12 hour riders and they come back and become seven, eight hour riders. But, yep, they had to learn that chill out lesson early to, you got to chill out to get faster. Um, now also you've been out here in a number of situations with various crew situations. What would you suggest to our family members about crew? Do you think they should have one? Do you think it's vital? What do you think? Um, it can be, it, you can have your best race without a crew for sure. Um, or with a crew, I'm just saying, I don't think. If you think, if you plan it out, I don't think it's that big of a deal to worry about. I've had years where my crew, my wife can't make it for some reason. I've had other crew people there. I've had some of my faster races basically on my own because, you know, my son was a baby and my wife's like, I, I can't get out. I was like, Hey, whatever, man, somebody will give me a bottle or I'll stop and fill a bottle or someone's, you know, there's a lot of people handing out neutral bottles. And I used to stress about having the exact sugar water or gel packet that I needed. And we ran out of a sponsor one year at Cannondale. And I was like, you know what? I got some Gatorade and electrolytes. I'm going to give this a, a go. And I was in some race. And you know what? Not stressing is a lot better than stressing about it. Sugar water is sugar water. <laughs> you get it in. You might shave a few seconds somewhere. You can tell yourself all day. But if you're getting everything you need at the right time, you're still going to be pretty much performing at your best level, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so I don't care if it's, you know, what kind of goo you're handing out and goo is ubiquitous like Kleenex anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, yeah, there's some that I like better than others, but when push comes to shove, I'm going to take whatever sugar water in I could get and not stress about it. Now, you can overdo it with sugar and put your gut into a world of hurt, but that's why there's bottles of pitchers of water at every aid station all over the course. I've been dying before and thought, oh, no. And then there's a guy with a bottle of water for me, <laughs> you know, that I don't even know. That's the great thing about how big Leadville's got and all the support. There's a ton of neutral tents out there that have whatever you want. And goo is always there handing out goos at every aid station. Right. And those guys are great for that. So, you know, if they give me a blueberry instead of a hop flavored <laughs> goo, I don't taste that stuff when I'm racing anyway. Well, and if you do, maybe out on the course you'll run into Brian and he'll swap you. <laughs> <laughs> that works as well. Well, can you tell us uh, how Leadville or the Leadville Trail 100 have shaped your life beyond race day? Oh, I got you. 
<laughs> I got you. What more could one want? You know, seeing seeing Mary Lee and all my friends, I think about them a lot, and we all go through stuff. And I, I think seeing your friends go through stuff and having a more extended family through a place like Leadville helps you deal with your day to day shit. <laughs> just everything you've been through it, the more friends you have there's a better chance one of them's been through it and you can look to them for strength um, and also seeing what your dad did for the town of Leadville what those races did shows me I, it, it's kind of one of those things I've always looked at I hate seeing things like that just fall to the wayside yeah and what that town was and what it's become thanks to the, the lifestyle and outdoors and fitness it it's it's helped me push things like that everywhere you know yeah like there's a lot of little towns now that are making this comeback and especially with the pandemic people are moving back i see it places like brevard north carolina it, i mean you can't even get there now sadly <laughs> it's overblown but it's also come back, you know, right. empty storefronts are now packed. Houses are sold. Everything's fixed up. Same with Linda. Yeah, we're, we're sure trying our best and, and getting there rapidly, it seems like. And speaking of which, what do you think of when you hear the word Leadville? Hmm. Gotta think, man. Well, I think of the mountains for sure. And Leadville's one of those places, like, a lot of the ski areas, a lot of the places that are blowing up in the mountains, they're not real towns. Leadville's legit mountain attitude. Like, everything there is real. Yeah. You know, real your dad always <laughs> to give it shit grit. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of grit up there. But, I mean, there's a smell up there. Not not that like like it's just the mountain, just the trees and the rocks up above the college. There's little trails up there when my son was like nine. Mm-hmm. We'd go up there at mountain bike. That when I close my eyes and think about Lidl, that's what I think about. <laughs> Not so much the race course, just the smell, just those rocks under your feet, and like that was all turned up by dudes that essentially didn't have a pot to piss in in their cabin because they were <laughs> That's what I think of. I mean, it's the it's it's once once everybody clears out back in the old days when it was just you going out and riding that course, mm-hmm. you know, post-ride. Yeah. That's yeah. My, those are my, those are my memories, man. Those are, those are my like ones that pop into my mind. Cause a lot of the things going on around, yeah, we go there for that race, but that's just a male. There's so much going on. It's just the melee. It's, you know, everything's yeah. going around you. It's hard to focus, but when everybody clears out, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I love. I guess you lived there when it was always like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 
I love that. I love that description. I don't think you could have said it any better. I can't thank you enough for your time today. It's been so fun to catch up, even though you're a little laid up under not the best of circumstances. Is there anything else you want to share with your Leadville family before I let you go? Yeah, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. You'll get there. <laughs> Perfect. We're going to take that and we are going to let that fly. Well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the time today. And we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville. Right on, brother. Love you, man. Love you, too. Well, there you go, Leadville family. Unfortunately, my buddy Garth is a little bit laid up right now, but as you can tell from his spirit, it's not going to hold him down. I can guarantee you're going to see him out on that trail very soon, and when you do, if he's not in front of you, he's probably soon going to be. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to give us a subscribe and a like wherever you're getting your podcasts. And we can't wait to see you at home. We can't wait to see you in Leadville.